Hello, and welcome to this episode of More is Afraid of the Dark, but Not Really, the podcast. In today's podcast, we'll be talking about the tale of the captured souls. So sit back, relax, and let's get talking. Hello, listeners. We are, I guess, at our halfway point, because I believe there's only five more episodes of season one that have yet to be a podcast. Today, we are on episode seven, and it's going to be a good episode, I'm going to say. Today, we're talking about Kiki's first episode. That's right. It's the tale of the captured souls. This episode first aired on October 3rd, 1992. And Kiki's one of my favorite storytellers because she always adds like a little flair to her stories. The The female characters, for example, they tend to be more tomboyish. And as a person who grew up being a tomboy, I really appreciate that they aren't just wearing dresses and being the victim. So now let's just get into the review section of the podcast. The night begins with the gang. Yes, I decided to start calling the Midnight Society what they are, a gang. Or I guess I could call them a gaggle of friends, but they aren't geese, so that doesn't make sense. However, they are Canadian, so I mean, I guess that could make sense. Um, they're waiting for Kiki. I think she was there, but then left. I'm not really sure, because Eric makes, like, a passing comment of Kiki having to, like, use the bathroom. So basically, everyone's there except for Kiki. And Gary has his calculator out, and he's asking Eric some questions and tells them that he is exactly 5,000 days old. Taking into account the year and the date we are given of April 29th, we can use math and figure out that Eric was born in 1979, which for the time, this makes a lot of sense. Gary asks Eric what he has been doing with all his time, to which Eric says, waiting for Kiki, and then Kristen says, yeah, where did she go? Eric says, must be nature calling, so that was like him saying she like had to use the bathroom, obviously, and then like a shy ninja, our girl Kiki appears and starts taking random Polaroids of her friends, and this um, really pisses them off. In fact, the reactions of the other members would make you think, if you hadn't watched a previous episode, that these people don't even get along. Like, they're constantly making fun of each other, so it's kind of like, why would you go hang out in the woods with these people? But they obviously really like each other's storytelling techniques, and that's why they keep coming back. I have to say that this is also another episode where you have to see the visuals, because kind of like the tale of the super specs, you just need to see the other members' reactions to their own photos. They are hilarious. I have to say that Betty Ann is by far the best reaction to the Flash. And Frank says, oh, look, we have a flasher. But I don't know if Frank understands that the term flasher is um, a slang term for someone who, like, literally flashes people their naked parts of their body. So based on the reaction from the other members and what Betty Ann does, she seems really confused. And it makes me think none of these teenagers have ever seen a Polaroid photo before. Which is interesting because right now, or in the current time period, um, these cameras that are similar to Polaroids called Fuji Instamax, which are basically the same thing but smaller, are very popular amongst young adults for taking instant photos of your friends. But Betty Ann's reaction is, is uh, she says, it's like a ghost becoming real. 
I mean, I suppose it is. It's the magic of film development. But, I mean, if your school offers a basic photography class, I would recommend taking it because you would learn that it's not like a ghost becoming real and it's not magic. But, you know, Buddy Ann might just be suffering from like a concussion because she's normally smarter than this. So the gang is getting very antsy. Gary tries to break the tension and proceeds to ask Kiki when her birthday is, but is interrupted by Eric. Anyway, Eric complains and says something along the lines of starting the story. Betty Ann and Frank are also kind of impatient at this point, and they are also waiting for Kiki to start the story. So Kiki asks for the photos back, but not before taking a selfie. I think Kiki invented the selfie and the selfie stick, so she... So Kiki collects the photos, and I'm noticing that Betty Ann seems a little sassy tonight. Maybe she got a bad grade on a chemistry test. She needs to cheer up. There is always next time, and maybe she is sleepy and cranky. I get cranky when I am sleepy also. Kiki tells the gang that Indian tribes did not like it when they got their photos taken, as they believed it took a piece of their soul. And I am impressed that Kiki knew this, as I grew up in an area with a huge Native American population. She then tells them, what if they were right? The gang looks intrigued, and I think Betty Ann has eaten a Snickers by this point because she looks a little happier. Kiki throws in the non-dairy creamer midnight dust into the fire and calls her story the tale of the captured souls. So we are introduced to the Solomons, or as my captions would say from my Voodoo account, the Solomons. So I'm not exactly sure what their last name is, but apparently I thought it was Selman. So we're just going to go with Selman. They're an average African-Canadian family. They're on a family vacation, and they read about this hotel that looks like a B&B &B from pre-Airbnb days. The hotel is run by Peter Carlin III. He appears to have a problem with sticking his finger in light sockets, or at least that is what his appearance looks like, based on his hair and complexion. Peter is very pasty. Kind of imagine, if you will, a ghost child from any Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. That's exactly the complexion of his skin. And his hair is very curly, but it would be the kind of curl you would get if you got an electric shock. Danny runs up to the door, and the door's locked. So her parents tell her to look on top to see if a key was left. And as she's looking, she gets shocked by a mirror. And then, who opens the door but none other than Peter Carlin III. Peter talks in his low, falsetto voice, while also creepily staring at Danny. He tells them that his parents are on a cruise, so he's in charge. Danny's parents seem kind of reluctant at first, but then just are like, well, we paid for the weekend, we might as well stay. The house is covered in mirrors that electrocute people because everyone knows that is how mirrors work. Peter escorts the Selmans to their rooms, and Mr. Selman is impressed with the mirror above the bed. I think he has freaky plans for later that night. I mean, why else would he need a mirror above the bed? This is pre- uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, and it aired on Nickelodeon, so I don't know how that got through. Unfortunately for Peter, Danny does not like her room and thinks it's small. Danny should have seen my dorm room last year. Her room looks like a mansion compared to mine, which I live in from early August to late May. So obviously when I wrote this blog, I was still in university. I'm not now, but when I came home, my room was equally or possibly smaller than what my dorm room was. 
because it was literally a laundry room. Peter tells the Selmans he will check them in. The Selmans proceed to ask him more questions about his parents, but Peter just kind of brushes them off and says, oh, they're on a cruise. So the Selmans at this point have settled in, and Mr. Selman and Danny are playing catch in the front yard. Peter is watching them when Mr. Selman tries to get him to play as well. He kind of bullies Peter into playing at one point. Peter replies that he isn't a sportsman. In fact, Peter, from his appearance currently, looks like a frail old man. But we'll get more into that later. And then, Mrs. Selman comes out with a Polaroid camera and tries to take a picture. But Peter cowers like a little child. I think he fears getting his photo taken as he is already gray and pale enough without a flash exposure. He offers instead to take a family photo of the Selmans. So Peter takes a picture and the family is discussing amongst themselves what their goofy photo is going to look like. At least this is what I'm presuming because I'm assuming they think Peter's going to take another photo of them. Well, Peter turns around and goes back inside and surprise, surprise, it turns out Peter is a mad scientist who is stealing the youth of the Selmans and all of the previous guests to stay young. He's doing this via the mirrors, which is why the mirrors are shocking Danny when she touches them. This stealing of their youth causes Danny's parents to go through rapid aging and for Danny to go through what I can only guess is a rapid puberty because she suddenly gets boobs and acne. So we see his laboratory and how he's experimenting with flowers, killing some to create life for others. He uh, almost has a godlike factor to him if you think about it in that respect. And this all takes place while he's standing in a light tube. So light and mirrors play a big role in how Peter is extending his life via stealing the essence of other people's youth. So as you can imagine, not being able to visibly see the story, this creates a little confusion for the Midnight Society. So we go back to the Midnight Society, where Eric asks what Peter was doing in the light tube. Taking a light shower? See, that's kind of a pun, and I'll give Eric a pass on that because it was pretty clever. David agrees and says, yeah, why didn't he want his picture taken? Kristen says, maybe he was afraid of what they would see. Gary says, what about the cylinder? There are mirrors in there. Kiki is all, exactly, mirrors, just like in the rest of the house. And then apparently Kiki had been holding a mirror for some time, but we never saw this in the beginning. And she uses the reflection of it to like kind of blind the rest of the Midnight Society. I suspect she was trying to steal their youth. So after this brief explanation, we're back into the story. After his light shower, Peter is all youthful now and is suddenly good at playing baseball. I think he is showing off for Danny because he is flirting with her. It's actually really creepy because he's been staring at her the whole time and kind of like oogling her right in front of her parents. And granted, his appearance is that of a teenager. He's just kind of paying her way too much attention. So Peter joins Danny and her father for a round of baseball. He uses his finger and points like Babe Ruth to where the ball will be hit. Danny says, okay, slugger, try this one. And Peter hits it out of the park. Well, he hits it towards a graveyard because there isn't actually a park on the property. They argue about who will get the ball when Peter aggressively tells Danny he will get it. 
Maybe Peter is going through puberty as a side effect. You know, mood swings. Mr. Selman tells Danny he needs to take a nap and the heat is bothering him. Danny then goes and bugs her mother about wanting to go swimming, but she is too tired and needs a nap. Then she tells Danny they may need to get medication for Danny's sudden acne problem. Danny then wanders into a bathroom and breaks a mirror and there's exposed wiring. Maybe Peter runs an internet site. She calls her dad into the bathroom to complain, but he is angrier with the broken glass and overlooks the fact that the mirror has wiring. Danny seems to be the only one who is onto Peter. Peter steps out of his light shower since it is now filled with smoke. Danny, in a fury of panic, I guess, decides to run outside and sees the family graveyard. She notices that there are four unmarked plots with tally marks. She sees that Peter was born in 1907. Danny runs back to the house and figures out it's the mirrors and that they are making her parents into senior citizens. So Danny takes one of the mirrors off the wall and yells at her mom not to look into the mirrors as it is making her look awful, which is kind of harsh, but I'll give her a pass on this one. Her mom and dad collapse onto the bed to take another nap. Danny runs up to Peter's room where she exposes his laboratory. She sees an old man having tea with her parents. Only, it's not an old man, it's Peter. I have to say Peter's laboratory looks not unlike a photo lab. Danny runs back outside and realizes that 21 men, 15 women, 34 kids, and 10 dogs have all been the victim of Peter. Peter tells Danny that he is killing her parents so he can be youthful. He offers her to live with him and be young forever. See, I think he really did have a crush on her, and he's offering this as like a solution. Danny tells Peter he is crazy. He says, no, I'm a very, very smart man. She then takes a photo of Peter to distract him and tells her parents that the mirrors are making them old. Her parents still don't really believe her again, but Danny's been right all along. It is the mirrors. So at this point, Peter has gone back upstairs to take another light shower and Danny is about to foil his plan. She breaks his light tube and he gets rapidly older while her parents regain their youth. So her parents in this case were the flowers that were dying because he was the flower leeching off of the other flowers. Once the Selmans recover, Danny convinces her parents to go to the beach. Peter is now an old man and tells Danny he is going to join the rest of his family as it has been far too long. So in case you misunderstood what he meant, he was basically telling Danny that he was going to go die to join the rest of his family in the graveyard. Kiki ends her story by saying... Danny never told her parents what happened as Peter wasn't going to hurt anyone ever again. Then Kiki says, sometimes pictures do tell the truth, whether you like it or not. Frank is carefully studying his photo and smiles, and Betty Ann still looks a little angry or confused. Then Kiki says, I have one last photo. She sets the camera up on the storyteller's chair, and the gang all gets together. The episode ends with the Midnight Society taking a group photo with Kiki's Polaroid camera. And I really liked how the episode ended with the Midnight Society taking a group photo. You know, it tied directly into the story. I have to wonder who kept the photo since it was Kiki's camera. Maybe she kept it as like a memento of this is what happened at my first story. Well, not 
technically her first story, but it happened like during a story of hers. I'm also positive that Betty Ann did not keep the photo because she appeared to not like her photo. Maybe Gary kept the photo for record-keeping purposes. We will never know. And now it's time for a segment I like to call Maura's Thoughts. to the segment of the podcast I call Morris Thoughts. These are the thoughts and feelings I had when watching and creating the blog that I will now share on the podcast. We'll see if any of them have changed since I have recently rewatched this episode. In fact, I watched it yesterday. While these thoughts are numbered, they're not in any particular order. So my first thought is, even though it does not seem like it, I, I actually really liked this story. I thought Peter was a perfect villain. He was a villain that you could root for because he wanted to be young, but he was a villain that you could also fear because he stole the youth of Danny's parents. So it was kind of like the devil's advocate. What's the greater good? My second thought was, I think this story and the way Kiki presented it with the Polaroid camera shows the group in a new light and exposes their insecurities. Kristen not liking her photo because of her eyes being red, and Eric saying he looked 5,000 years old. And I can only imagine what Betty Ann thought based on her facial expression. Well, many others of the Midnight Society include props in some of their stories, we didn't necessarily have a prop that tied directly into it as much as this story did. Betty Ann has a similar story in a later season that ties into her story quite a bit. And it's very similar to this actually because it also involves photos. And then my third thought was that um, when I had written the blog, I was kind of sassy. And so I apologized to my readers. Um, these podcasts are based off the blog and for some of it, I read directly from the blog but I want to give you more of an experience, so I'll ablib. So I cut out some of the sassiness, and I also had insomnia, apparently, when I wrote the blog. So I apologize if that came out in this podcast. My fourth thought was about Betty Ann, but unless you've seen the episode, it's not going to make a bunch of sense. It was basically me wondering about her facial expression because it seemed confused and somewhat angry. But because you can't see that and I can't produce it on a podcast, you're just going to have to go to the blog to look at it. My fifth thought was, I like that we got to see this different side of Kiki. And I have to wonder if this is somewhat of an autobiographical um, story from Kiki. Maybe her and her parents went and stayed at a bed and breakfast and the innkeeper tried to steal their essence and her parents rapidly age and she went through rapid puberty and she thought to herself wow this would make a really good story and so she turned her lemon into lemonade if you will and then my sixth thought is just kind of off the wall and has nothing to do with are you afraid of the dark other than all the kids in the midnight society have really nice looking teeth and that i deduced that they must put fluoride in the water up in canada and that's why they all have such nice white teeth 
So did you like this episode? Have you seen this episode? If you haven't, um, I highly recommend it. It's a really good episode. As you can tell, I enjoyed it. So listeners, I hope you enjoyed yourself on our seventh podcast. Our next episode for the podcast is going to be from Betty Ann. It'll be her second story and one of my favorites, The Tale of the Nightly Neighbors. Can you believe it? We only have six more episodes left until we're finished with season one of Are You Afraid of the Dark? So with that being said, I will leave you with our fun fact for this episode. The man who played the older version of Peter, Griffith Brewer, would go on and appear in three episodes in total in the first run of the series. Um, The second one being The Tale of the Phone Police, and the third one being the tale of the water demons. And as always, listeners, remember this podcast is a supplemental um, component of the Mora's Afraid of the Dark, but not really blog. So to get the full scope of it, I recommend listening to the podcast and then going back to the blog post that this references, which are all under the same title. So this would be Season 1, Episode 7, The Tale of the Captured Souls to get the full scope of what I was going for. So I'll see you next time, listeners, when we start talking about the Betty Ann classic, The Tale of the Nightly Neighbors. Remember, if you want to connect with me, you can look me up on Twitter. My handle is Mora underscore 329.84. You can find me through the blog. Just hit the contact me page. And once again, the blog is Mora is Afraid of the Dark, but not really. And it's available on WordPress.